0: What's up, people? I'm back here with another podcast uh, I did with a friend that I met on the internet, Caitlin Pyle. This is her website behind me. She, uh, I connected with her because she is also on the TikTok platform, who is an outspoken individual who speaks a- as a former patient of psychiatric medication, who quit, withdraws, and live without psychiatric medication. I really enjoyed talking to her. She's a really nice person. And um, I hope she's doing well. I know she shared with me that she's having some health issues, and I, I just uh, so hope all the good things come to her way. And I hope that to anyone who has experience with the things she describes um, that our conversation can be helpful. While we're on the topic, while we're talking, you can check out my book, Hocus Focus, Coming of Age with ADD and Its Medicines. It's available everywhere. Books are sold online. It's a great memoir about ADD medications and growing up in the era where they're given to children. Thanks so much for watching. Subscribe to my channel. There it is. Okay, so what i, what I like to like ask about is, or what I like to look at is relationships people have with substances and especially getting off those substances because I was so profoundly affected by my own departure from a pharmaceutical medication. And I've seen you discuss this as well. So could could you give me like a a more in-depth background about that experience for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 36 years old. I never touched any substance besides alcohol, which even that took me until I think 24 um, to really get into Um, I never touched any substance besides that until I was 30 years old. And my first substance was marijuana. Ah, man. And I, I was using marijuana to try to stop drinking alcohol. So and they say that marijuana is like a gateway drug. It's actually alcohol. Alcohol is the gateway drug because I was using alcohol to calm me down instead of addressing the root cause. And I I think that people have a lot of issues with that, especially, especially I've seen an ADHD community where people think, oh, well I am ADHD and they literally have made ADHD part of their personality. And I was like that too, you know, especially when I found out that that's what it was, right? It's just a label. And I got the label of bipolar disorder. I got the label of depression, panic disorder, anxiety disorder, PTSD, and any of these labels could have been used to define me. And I chose not to, but I'm going to get too ahead of myself here yet. The substance of choice for me to get off alcohol was marijuana. And I, I was reading all the literature out there about it, how we have an endocannabinoid system and some way of needing these endocannabinoids. Like it was marketing in retrospect to understand that yeah. now but at the time, you know, I wasn't quite as skilled at marketing as I am now. And that's like, that's my profession. I'm a marketer. I coach, I do all the things, but I was still a baby marketer back then in my business. And I was new to the whole self-development thing i was very very green because my business had become very successful very fast and a lot of the stress was coming from not being well equipped to deal with it on there is just so much energy coming towards you at one time and you don't know how to handle it you have not yet become the person that can handle it
0: so you're like 24 drinking smoky weed and making lots of money all at the same time
1: Well, I got married when I was 24. Mm -hmm. I started smoking weed when I was 30, and I started making a lot of money when I was about 28, 20, whatever the year 2014 was. I guess, yeah, 28-ish. And
0: and did, was it successful, at least, even though you were going, like, out of the frying pan into the fire? Were you able to, like, quit drinking with intention using cannabis?
1: Yeah, yeah, at least for a solid year. I did eventually pick it back up again, and now I am, like, Off of it for good. I like to say that I am sober in that way. I don't identify. I don't go. I don't go to Alcoholics Anonymous for the sole reason that I never, ever, ever identified as I am an alcoholic. And I feel like that's a, that's a really, especially with what I teach now, I'm in self-transformation. I, (laughs) I have a podcast called self-transformation radio, and I talk about how important identity is. So if you were to go to a meeting every single day of your life and introduce yourself as an alcoholic, you're literally cementing that you need to choose something else. That's how you really get away from being attached to these drugs and attached to these identities of the disorders that we've been labeled with is by saying that you're not that anymore. And you're choosing to step into something else because if you change the belief about who you are, then the actions will change on their own. So if you're oh, yeah. identifying as someone with, I or to say like, I am ADHD or I'm bipolar and that's why I'm doing this. Like, no, you're not intentionally, you're not consciously choosing your actions at that point. You're allowing what somebody else has defined you to to drive reaction. So, but yeah, marijuana was the first thing for me and it worked too well to relieve my stress. Uh, it got me in quite a bit of trouble. In fact, it was, but I also see it in retrospect, as something that it needed to be um, because I was not happy in the relationship that I was in at the time. I had been married for seven years at that time or six years, six or seven years, and marijuana, I give it credit where credit is due because at least in the beginning when I wasn't abusing it, it was opening my mind and it was showing me that a different perspective exists. And it was kind of my first brush with, you know, plant medicine and- but It has plant- a place. Yeah. Yeah. But just like anything, it can be abused, which is where I eventually went with it because I didn't understand that you can have too much of a good thing. Yeah. And realizing that you can use it to cover up things rather than to discover and then integrate uh, what you learn and the experience. So I was, but I credit it for helping me see that, wow, I had such a narrow, small world and perspective on things that I wasn't, I wasn't, able to see outside of and I would listen to music while I was high and would say oh my gosh like my world just feels bigger somehow I don't know how to explain it like I was completely glued to the couch at the same time but yeah it's
0: just like a sensory experience
1: yeah very much a sensory experience so yeah but I used it so much that it put me into a state of psychosis, which caused my ex-husband to say that he wanted a divorce, which I was extremely happy about because I knew deep down, but was not expressing how much I did not want to be in a relationship with him. However, because when we got married, I said I would never leave him. I felt like the right thing to do with my level of consciousness at the time, the right thing to do was to stay because I said I wouldn't leave. And I didn't realize that in doing so, I had abandoned myself. And yeah, the marijuana helped me to deal with that, but at the extreme level, it turned into like mimicking what you see in bipolar disorder. And despite the times that I was hospitalized involuntarily for almost five times and drug tested, they saw that I had THC in my bloodstream. They still diagnosed me with bipolar disorder every single time without telling me that, probably because they didn't know. That mm-hmm. marijuana can contribute to similar symptoms, and that if you just stop the marijuana, you'd stop having symptoms. However, at this point, with the research that I've done for my TikTok channel, my show, I my podcast, um, I understand now that there can still be heavy metals in the marijuana, whether it's in a tincture, and the testing is not all the same across the board. And so you could still be poisoning yourself indirectly if not by the marijuana, but what's in it and how it was used to, or how it was raised. So, and heavy metals get into your brain that can cause a lot of symptoms. It's been linked to ADHD wow. symptoms. It's been yeah. linked to autism, all of that stuff. So that would explain why I started having a lot more symptoms. And the craziest part of all this, um, no pun intended, is that <laughs> it took me so long to figure out that if your brain isn't working properly, you're not going to think clearly, and that's where those mental illness symptoms come from. If there's something in your brain that's not supposed to be there, like toxic metals, or a drug, or whatever, you may be able to suppress some symptoms, but always yeah. giving rise to other symptoms over yeah. time.
0: it's like a hardware. A hardware issue and we keep throwing yeah. various software at it to try to adjust it when it's actually something
1: exactly exactly and we compound so i mean i have a friend of mine who is taking by vans and has been taking that or adderall every day since i don't know the last 15 20 years and he apparently has weighed all the benefits and costs and thinks that he's going to be fine for the rest of his life i'm like you're yeah. only 35 dude
0: <laughs> yeah well i mean i, I also took um Dexedrine and Adderall for about 16 years and looking back the way I describe that phenomenon you're describing as your friend is I, I built a temple of logic and reason to defend my use and it's almost like the medication inside me is using my brain and my body to defend itself to defend its hosts almost not to say that people on medications are not themselves but there is a driving force to keep doing something that feels good I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can remember people telling me, oh, maybe it's the weed that you're smoking. And I was like, absolutely not. There's no way. This is what I got so much better when I started using weed. Like, we well, smoke like do. every day,
0: all day kind of thing.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was. I had like, at one point I had this little tray and it was made out, it was a metal tray and it had three different sections in it. I had labeled the section sativa, indica. I used vape, vape pens. That was my thing. I wasn't really a smoker until I moved <clears> to Amsterdam for six months where vaping, you can't buy anything but nicotine in a vape. You can't buy THC. It's illegal there in a vape. So I switched to smoking and had to learn how to use a bong. That was another story. But <laughs> I had these like this metal tray where I had it labeled and I had a whole bunch of different little cartridges for my bat and several different batteries and it was like a like a buffet every day and I would have you have a rig, yeah sasiva in the morning indica in the afternoon and hybrid at night and I was just all day every day and it was like this this habit every time I would see the vape pen I'd be like and I think that's kind of where the psychosis came into it too or I felt At some point, like I was communicating directly with God and God was just saying, like, take another hit every time your eyes would go to it, not realizing that your brain had built this habit and that you were being controlled by something that was not God, but was something that was not not working properly in your brain. That was it was gradually deteriorating. Oh, my gosh. and that brain injury, I mean, it, it does end up injuring your brain and it's not just the uh, pharmaceutical medications. I mean, pharmaceuticals are, they've been trying to patent some sort of marijuana like substance for years. Yeah. And I don't know where they are with that, but all yeah. of it damages your brain and you can see it on brain scans. I don't know if you've yeah. heard of Dr. Dr. Amen. Of course. He's like, yeah, who hasn't, yeah. right? Who's in the ADHD <laughs> space? He, he talks about how it shrinks your brain and it, and it. Injured your brain. And I saw yeah. a traumatic brain injury on my spec scan. I went and I paid the five grand to do the year long treatment. Wow. I included the brain scan and I, and I saw brain damage in my brain. And for the first year, I didn't do anything. I was just like, well, I'll take some supplements, but I know it's not going to work. Not realizing that those thoughts were coming from my damaged brain and not wow. really from me. And I also learned from, it was actually from medical media, like the spiritual aspects of all this, that the reason why when we get into a state of depression in mental illness, where it feels like we're dead inside, we have this anhedonia, where nothing, you just don't feel anything. You just feel like this empty, dead person inside of a body, like you're existing and you're not really alive. It's because the soul, in order to protect itself, <laughs> leaves your brain. It lives in your brain, it lives in your body, and it will actually leave your brain in order to protect itself. And that's why you feel dead and as yeah. soon as I stopped wow. poisoning myself started healing myself yeah. my soul was like oh yeah I can live here again wow I have a much better under much greater understanding about how brain injury occurs and it's not just if you knock your head or get in a car accident or you're playing sports and you get knocked over or tackled that you can injure your brain in any number of ways and then science hardly knows anything about it because they're yeah. not looking for answers <laughs> they're not looking for answers y'all <laughs>
0: well they're not looking for questions they're looking for solutions they're just they, they put the cart before the horse over and over and over over. the medication they're looking for money yeah and that yeah that's that's a clear and understanding i'm curious though to backtrack a little bit because it sounds like you have a really interesting story you're saying that you i want to know what like the psychosis if you're okay talking about it like what that felt like well
1: you don't know it feels good right
0: does it feel good
1: yeah yeah, I mean, there were some parts of it that were terrifying. I can remember, and I, to this day, it still—I still describe it as something took over my body. But I've been not sleeping, and it's like it's a cross between it—it c- it can be manic psychosis, is the way I would describe it. But I do think that there is that sp- spiritual element of it when you get in this in the psychotic state where you believe you are somewhere else, and that wanting to be somewhere else. Kind of sends out a vibe a vibration a frequency to other spiritual entities that are maybe you know mischievous and you know, they can't really do anything to you but like they can enter your body if you're yeah. sh- sending out the vibration that you don't want to be in your body anymore you're literally inviting <laughs> this sounds nuts but it's true because i've had it happen to me
0: yeah
1: or another Space entity release. might come in and, yeah. and that's exactly what happened to me and uh, at least to my understanding i mean i remember being in my body. And something else was controlling it. I was saying things, doing things that were literally impossible. I and I was watching it you were all happen. doing things that were impossible. I was walking around a city block in Century City, Los Angeles, near Culver City, and walking around a mall just and I was trying I was like I was on some kind of circuit. so in a way, I can look back and see that Higher powers are keeping me safe because I walked in front of cars. I was trying to deviate from where I was and walk who knows where, but I was able, like, somehow sticking around the same block and was kept safe in some supernatural way. But I can remember being really tired and feeling like oh man I want to try to sit down I would try to sit down on some stairs you know and I couldn't like I was just like trying to sit and my body was just like no you're not sitting and whoever was in there whatever was in there was like in charge and but I still had some control and I can remember saying you know God like just saying something to God and that's when I think it all stopped was when I invoked a higher presence and whoever was in there you have to ask for it it was like it was just kind of nuts but there were and that was the most intense part of it there are other times where i you would it, that was more subtle where I, I was spending a lot of time alone and everything was a message you know everything on the tv yeah. was like tr- trying to tell me something everything in the newspaper i got on an airplane um to go, I ended up getting like a restraining order filed against me by this guy that I had been dating at the time this was like before my divorce from my ex-husband and I were kind of in an open relationship and I didn't know what had happened like while I was in a hospital my ex-husband had told this guy that he should block me but nobody ever told me that so I was trying to get in touch with this guy that I had been dating and you know try to explain what actually happened and and nobody had told me that this person had blocked me like you know nobody was man enough at that point Like everybody needed to learn how to grow up i guess but i remember getting on a plane and like trying to find this person and that's how i ended up getting a retraining order against me but there were things where i was like convinced that i was being followed and i yeah. couldn't I, I flew private i flew i commissioned a private jet because i was afraid to get on an airplane because i thought people were tracking me like your brain wow. was. i mean when you're in that emotional yeah state, you're
0: in true paranoia yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and like your brain is heated up and it's messing with the electrical grid we are electric beings our universe is electric and the heat from all that trauma was just firing all over the place where everything felt like it was connected
0: yeah when i when i hear people describe manic episodes and i have several times it reminds me not of of the way i felt on Adderall really i felt like sometimes i'd have those feelings that i was i was on it and that my thoughts were a special kind of truth that was just for me and and that I understood something that nobody else did
1: yeah yeah
0: but for me it was induced by amphetamines
1: and it's weird now because from a much more grounded place looking back experiences exactly like what you were just describing where it was a not so grounded place and believing that I could do anything and you know I believed in magic and I had this belief about who I was that was otherworldly and grandiose. You know, you would describe Mm -hmm. it as like the grandiose type um thing, not realizing that all those things are true, but not in that like I mean you can who you choose to be and who you believe yourself to be impacts everything in your life. And so I can see looking back at how truly happy I was because I believed Something that was outstanding about myself. And then I went through the period of depression where I believed that I was a narcissist. I believed that I had antisocial personality disorder. I believed I had every personality disorder, like under the sun. I was irretrievably broken. I believed that so heavily. And the opposite was true. And that, like, I had a really dull, bleak life. And being able to see both of those experiences and find myself now in the middle, seeing that, yes, I am a powerful creator. Yes, I Am able to think uh, in a way that manifests an incredible reality around me, and that magic is real. It is just not that inflated real. You know, it's a lot more.
0: It happens
1: so organic. Yeah, subtle. Exactly. It's subtle. It happens organically. It happens at a pace that feels good, and it isn't rushed, and it's it's sustainable. And that's where I really like to hang out.
0: That is there? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that that's kind of the phrase: your your head in the clouds, but your feet on the ground at the same time yeah you know and knowing because yeah I, I had thoughts that like I could be more psychic if I just practiced or something like really and but there's a there's yes there's psychic thing I don't know to get too into it but I had thoughts that there were abilities and like stuff like that that were more fantastical than the reality of what actually the true magic of life is
1: yeah yeah and the container that we're in here on earth and the the reason that it's limited is for the purpose of a specific type of experience and we are in that container and we might have maybe broken through the veil a little bit and those manic experiences to see the power like i don't know if you've ever experienced i personally haven't but like a full trip on dmt i have attempted ayahuasca but did not make it all the way through <laughs> yeah i've drank an ayahuasca several times Yeah, yeah. So you get to that, allegedly, you get to that place where you are one with the universe and you see how everything's put together and there is a plane of existence where all the things that we can imagine in our manic states is possible, but that place isn't Earth. It's not in that container. So when people say like, oh, I had a psychotic break, it's like you broke through that. You broke through the veil for a minute but you didn't have the tools and you were con- constricted by this plane of existence. So yeah. and I've tried to explain that to people and of course it's just that's one thing I have learned truly is to not waste energy trying to explain my situation or my experiences, I should say, with people who have no clue. And we, I think, at some point in our journey, feel like we need to have that validation because we do feel crazy. Mm-hmm. But coming this many years on the other side of it, it's been almost five years since that crazy psychotic break happened. um and over three years since any type of manic episode has happened for me that, I feel more comfortable, a lot more comfortable talking about it. I don't feel the need to be validated by anyone because I realize the only person that I need to validate is myself. And that I am my best friend. I'm the only one who's gonna ever understand or have any type of full understanding of what happened, other than me. Um there's yeah, there's you have to be that person for yourself. And that we're only oftentimes wasting energy trying to explain it to people who are never gonna get it.
0: Yeah, and they'll they'll uh... Try to diminish your truth and explain to you things that are not meant to be explained in the first place. Yeah, like, oh,
1: you just need to be on meds. Like, if you were on meds, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, but I'd also feel like death every day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so to go back to kind of the timeline, after you had these breaks, were you put on pharmaceuticals to curb these episodes and this thoughts
1: yeah well I was prescribed the pharmaceuticals and the first time I was prescribed an antipsychotic was in December of 2018 and I did not have insurance at the time despite having my own business we just did not have insurance so I went to the pharmacy to see how much it was going to be and the generic version was still going to be 1200 bucks and I said hell no that's when I like the, I can remember the gears starting to turn and seeing how a generic version of this drug like something was up and that there was an industry behind the this front of mental illness that was really i can remember the first time i started thinking like wow this is because i had also been waking up to the corruption that's around us and how the country is basically a corporation not an mm-hmm. economy it's a corporation And knowing how much the generic version of a drug that I supposedly needed was going to cost me every month just to not have one of those again, I was like, something else is up here. And I was like, I can't, I I could have afforded it, but I was like, there's no way I'm spending that much on it. So I started smoking pot again, which led to another episode. But then eventually I stopped smoking pot and I never took antipsychotics unless I was forced to. And in total, I was in the hospital for four different times. And the longest I was ever in was, I think, six nights. And they, when you're in one of these places, they do not let you out unless you take the medication. So the only time I've ever taken it on purpose was when they were forcing it on me. Like, here's your pill, you know, show me your mouth, make sure you're not hiding it every night. And they give you antipsychotics at night and Abilify has a mild, like, almost... People sometimes take it for ADHD even. It has like a mild stimulative effect because it messes with your dopamine receptors. And it would keep me awake at night. It would keep me awake at night. And I'd ask for melatonin at these places. And because they would give you handouts about, you know, having healthy sleep hygiene or whatever. And so I'd be like, okay, you're telling me, you're teaching me all about melatonin. Thank you so much. Can I have some? No. Or we'll have to ask the doctor. And so you ask the doctor and they never give you what would actually help you. All they do is give you drugs.
0: Yeah, and they stack and stack. They tried to put me on sleeping pills when I was seven years old because I was on amphetamines as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was,
0: for some reason, that's where my mom drew the line, which I guess I'm grateful for.
1: Yeah, and, and thankfully, I lived on my own and... I, nobody was there to make sure I took my medication, so I never filled any of the prescriptions. They do force you to make a follow-up with a psychiatrist before you leave, which is very easy to cancel as soon as you get out. Um, (laughs) It's silly. It's really silly, but I know they're just like checking boxes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I
0: feel like, yeah, it's it's a funny story too, because you you always did it safely, but there are people who I guess to say when that psychotic break opens a more dangerous entity might embody that open space and they need they need safety. You know, some people do need the safety. It sounds like you were you were unstable but not unsafe. It's my assumption.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, well there were things. I mean, I did some things that were unsafe for sure. Like I can remember I crashed my jeep in the woods and I left it oh. there and it's kind of unsafe. I walked, yeah. yeah, I definitely did things that were unsafe. Um and in retrospect, I can see that I I needed to be I needed to not be alone. I can't say that forcing me into the hospital was the right thing to do because that ended up making it was a lot more traumatizing. And I think that's why the system is kind of messed up when they can force you in against your will and you don't feel safe either. Like it just makes it worse. Mm-hmm. But if I had somebody that I trusted stay with me to so just talk with me and calm me down, I think that would have been a lot more effective. But living alone was not the the right thing for me at that time. I just didn't have much of a choice. It was just me going through a lot of adjustment all at once. And it was overwhelming for me. So I have a lot of compassion on that version of myself now, just doing the best that I could with what I had and what I knew how to do and trying, I was trying to clean up my life and trying to get people out of it. But I was in some toxic relationships at the time and when you're and it was like right around COVID the last the last two times that I was hospitalized I was forced to like wear a mask in the hospitals but they take out the thing that clamps around your nose because it's made of metal and you could like hurt somebody with it oh geez so I was like these masks are useless it's hilarious but that's you know a a whole other
0: story (laughs) I know
1: but I was never on an antipsychotic longer than they forced me to be on one, which makes me very happy because I knew I knew that they weren't the solution. And I will say, however, that the drug that I was on the longest was one of the more addictive ones, and that was Xanax. However, I was also aware that while I was taking that to, to deal mostly with very extreme anxiety when I was in a very low point in my life, so I was having no more depressive episodes or manic episodes, but I was having depressive episodes, so I was taking Xanax Xanax to like, just, I was so anxious in the mornings when I woke up, I was just, I didn't realize at the time that I was stuck in fight or flight, just stuck in it. And that was just, I was frozen, but just feeling like just scared. I was just constantly, constantly scared, like something bad was going to happen. And so my brain was racing, constantly trying to figure out what to do. And then I would constantly come back to this idea of like, oh my God, I'm a narcissist and there's no cure for narcissism. I'm stuck in this lifeless body for the rest of my life. And it's and then I'm going to go to hell afterwards because I was raised religious. And I was like, I'm going to go to hell or wait, I'm already in hell. And it started to manifest in OCD as well, where I would think, and part of that was like psychosis, but like borders on the edge of OCD. And I have a ton of scars on my arm from when I would just rip myself to shreds, just scratching and picking at like every tiny little bump or hair follicle I could come into contact with. And it was just this obsessive, compulsive thinking pattern that I was stuck in that I have to get out, but I can't. Oh my God. 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 On this loop constantly. Like if you would imagine yourself in like a circular room with no windows, somehow somebody put you in there and there's no way you can get out. That was my life for two and a half years. And I thought, I thought that that was going to be it. And I really wanted to die. I, I even got a cancer diagnosis that I'm currently working on and getting out of or being putting into remission because of so much stress and inflammation. I'm sorry. That It made my life. I was making... My mind, my brain was making my life a living hell, but I was not aware of what I could do about it because of the complete lack of real resources that point to anything other than drugs. And I wasn't on TikTok. I also needed hearing aids, which that's a kind of something I talk about from time to time where people don't realize if you have a hearing issue, it might not have to do with volume at all. Like if I took them out, I could still hear you, but you would not be clear. And that has to do with frequency. So I was not able, my ears had been damaged most likely by viral inflammation. It can permanently damage your hearing nerves that travel to your brain and pass information. So I would describe it as like, okay.
0: Auditory processing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you, it's like hearing an Andy Warhol painting. You can hear some of it, but you got to fill in the gaps and your brain is constantly working in overtime, which adds more stress and yeah. it just fatigues your brain. And it's it just another thing,
0: a, a, an obstacle in the way of clarity in relationship to the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And of course I didn't know that. So I turned against myself and I was like, I am a terrible person because I am exhausted when I talk to people and I was just turning it. I think a lot of women do this, especially, but I know men as well who just turn against themselves. They blame themselves for something that isn't their fault, but because there is no awareness and there's not a lot of resources yet. And yeah, that's a big reason why I started talking about
0: it. Well, even if it's not your fault, sometimes I'll burden myself with the idea, okay, it's not my fault, but it's my responsibility, you know, or something like this. And, and uh, you know, you just got to learn to be easy on yourself. It takes a lot. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying too about Xanax kind of reminds me of something because like, I think when I quit Adderall, I was kind of really cavalier that these meds were absolute poison. And it's it's like, it. you know, I've been called like a med shamer online. I don't know if you've ever gotten that as well. And And it's like, well, I don't want to necessarily shame them. But to me, they are like poison. They are bad. They Like I have this big association that there's they're like bad, just for lack of a better term, just they shouldn't exist. They're malicious and things like that. And I think after talking to a lot of people, I've tried to tone down a little bit and come around. And I wonder if maybe you you agree, at least with what you were talking about with Xanax, how you were so tight and the the metaphor I use, which is still a metaphor, but like is that if you were on a ship, you know, and you fell out, and they threw you a life vest and pulled you in, you know, that that would work. But then you get back on, you know, because a lot of people say this medication saved my life, how can I quit? And it's like, well, well, I think the life saving part is over. And it did save your life. And you should be grateful for it. But like, then you have to, you have to get out of the raft in the water and kind of get back with the program. And I know that that's the the recommendation for a lot of those antidepressants too, is only a nine month treatment, but everyone throws that out the window and just takes them for their entire lives.
1: Yeah, that's just an amazing analogy. I love that that the life saving part is over, and you're right. I, I've also been accused of being a med shamer, and while I I stick to exactly what you're saying about how these meds are toxic, I in my more recent videos have made it a point to say like it's not that they're not useful in the short term, right? Yeah. Especially if you're. They do going mask
0: nuts. symptoms, yeah, but they don't yeah. get to the to the root
1: like a high dose of antipsychotic when you're in a psychotic episode is going to help you calm down. It's going to stabilize you. But exactly, it doesn't get to the root of the issue. And the I think it is out of fear that people will attach themselves to that life preserver. And they believe that if they go off the drug, then they're going to get the symptoms back. But they don't realize it's actually withdrawal
0: symptoms. Yeah, <laughs> you will you get your symptoms back. And that's kind of the joke of it. Yeah. Not to be like funny about it, but kind of like in the archetypal deal with the devil, you get what you want, but it comes with caveat. And and I think that's kind of what it is. It's like you, you know, I took Adderall to focus. And then when I stopped like jokes on you, you can't can't focus on anything. It's left the condition worse than Where it started,
1: and I felt that with with Xanax too. I never took a very high dose, and I I did get on Adderall. In fact, in this van, in this van, I have (laughs) a ton of Adderall, and I I don't know what's keeping me from as I haven't had any, and I went from taking it six days a week over a year and a half ago, and just taking one day off to taking it once a week to taking it once a month, taking it once every few months. And I don't even remember the last time I've had it now, but somehow I still have it in the van. I don't know why, because I didn't want to leave it in my house. as an Airbnb, obviously. And (laughs) and like, to me, it's like, I paid money for that. You know, it has value and it was scarce for a while. Maybe if the world ends and I need to use it to barter, like, I don't know. I'm like holding on to it. But I have had thoughts of like, hey, I got a blender. I can just like get on TikTok and put all my Adderall. I get so much heat for that though. Like put all my Adderall on a blender with like some chocolate syrup or you know soap or something to make it in oh, yes. I, well. I just...
0: once put an Adderall in the blender with a smoothie and just enjoyed it too I mean I was
1: wow yeah yeah <laughs> and, it, and it, so I did use Adderall for a while because it and, and it was helpful to get me out of depression when I realized like okay well my the doctor is, is the one who prescribed it to me yeah that's uh, something maybe, about Amen
0: I don't know they're they're half and half
1: they are half and half and that's yeah. why I kind of roll more towards like the medical medium side because I feel like I got better results when I realized that it was a lot deeper than the, what they were telling me because they would use medication and then give me some supplements but some of them would be it was just kind of like hit or miss it's just trial and error it's just a very um it's more advanced mm-hmm. form of psychiatry but it's still psychiatry and that they're just they have very limited information that they're working with so. yeah they're still
0: approaching humans and emotions with the scientific intent yeah, it sounds like, yeah. it sounds like you needed some spiritual addressing as well.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. They weren't, they didn't look at the the whole person and the fact that, Hey, you get divorced. And I would tell this to all my psychiatrists, like I just got divorced and my ex-husband is doing this to me and sure. Yeah. I was definitely in victim mode, but no doctor was just like, Oh wow. I can only imagine how stressful that is. Do you know what effects stress causes in your brain? And mm-hmm. None of them said anything about the effects of stress and, and or anything, even the oncologist that I went to for the blood cancer that I was diagnosed with never explained to me that this blood disorder can come on. And I learned this, I learned it from medical media, who is not a doctor, that blood disorders can come on in response to infl- inflammation, a low immune system, viruses that your body has in places that are not your bloodstream, like your thyroid, like your liver, all these places and that pharmaceutical drugs like Adderall that I was on was only stressing my body more and making it easier, giving more food to the virus. Virus loves to eat anything that's foreign to the body. That's why viruses weren't always bad. But now that there's so much foreign stuff and so much of the food on this planet, we're seeing more and more chronic illness because people are constantly feeding the pathogens that were there that were meant to almost be like the garbage disposal. You know, if on occasion you would get, something bad or something the virus like oh I'll eat that I'll take care of that and viruses were meant to be friendly but now they're being bred in labs to be yeah. weapons is that and, that and eggs eggs are being used to grow have been being used to grow viruses in labs which is if chicken eggs or, have,
0: or human eggs
1: chicken eggs chicken eggs yeah they they use them so viruses have evolved to eat eggs as a food source because of all the hormones so anytime you are up I had to stop eating eggs I had to stop eating dairy because of all the hormones I had to stop taking progesterone which I was Put on because of a chemical or not chemical imbalance, a hormone imbalance that was because of the virus. So doctors that are, they're well-meaning and they're like, oh, you need protein. So eat eggs, not realizing that there's a shit ton of hormones in eggs that are meant to grow a baby chick inside, you know, a little, you know, into a chicken, you know, and they're not really meant for human consumption. They were originally used as a survival food but marketing got into it and they're like the incredible edible egg and now they just yeah. like mass I mean, produced I, I, and
0: i love it it's eggs, crazy but when i can i have friends who, who grow them Are yeah safe? yeah it was safe i don't know every every the more i learn, the more i think that uh, the only path forward is fasting with distilled water
1: <laughs> well you, you do need nutrients you do need like, i know um... i know
0: it's, but it's just so it's there's so many trip wires and so yeah. many to use uh, eggshells and, and just like you know, and, and I guess I get that way too. I think I'll come onto it really strong and say like, all right, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And then I have one misstep and it's like, ah, oh, Taco Bell, I don't know. Like, it's very hard to actually maintain the that version of myself that I can, I can imagine, but actually obtaining it's very difficult when the actuality of life and stuff like that comes through.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's certainly flexibility to it. I, I've been I really feel like a lot of it, and I bet you've had the same experience that mindfulness comes into it. I loved Taco Bell. I used to eat Taco Bell like multiple times a week, and I would eat pizza multiple times a week. And it wasn't until I increased my awareness of like what was in that food and starting to eat more whole food fruits. I started um juicing, eating whole fruits and vegetables, and doing that as much as I could. And then noticing when I would go and eat Taco Bell or go, I had Waffle House the other day and noticing the difference in the way I felt and how much like more sensitive I had become to a foreign invader, right? That made all the difference in the world. And I used to eat more strictly vegan, but now I eat some grilled chicken once in a while. Every now and then I'll have some beef, you know, and I don't box myself in and I'll have some cheese from time to time. You know, I'm thinking about making an organic mac and cheese for- thanksgiving but it's definitely yeah. about balance yeah, it a... and it depends on what you're up against too because if you're under if you're under a lot of stress and you're going through immune issues like i was the best thing to do is stop eating hormones exactly yeah so feeding your virus and yeah, being able start... to
0: listen to your body and, and in your case if you're experiencing cancer there's the gerson method which is mm-hmm. heavy juicing and stuff like that that saved my friend's life
1: yeah. Uh, yeah yeah it's bringing the body back into balance and replenishing it because i was just i mean your adrenal glands especially like with adderall and stuff i didn't realize what i was doing was depleting my adrenal glands from what it needed to help the rest of my body function and your your body needs nutrients to replenish all those things so the best thing to do when you're getting off these meds is to replenish your your whole body with it's just it's
0: nice. starving yeah, that's how yeah. I, I felt, too, because, I mean, on for me when I was I, I was on Adderall for a long time, you know, it was a big part of me. And uh, when I quit, yeah, like one of the if eating like I didn't eat on Adderall fairly. I'm sure. And you're like would you do, an occasional once a month Adderall bender. That's probably like where it belongs. You know, at least if I had to say that it wasn't completely eliminated, just like in a glass box in your house with a little hammer. And it's like in case of really big projects, you know, break glass. But I was doing really big projects every day, all day, because I was taking Adderall every day, all day. And I mean, I. But there's always that recovery period too, where you're you're gonna be tired. You know, it's like you 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 take it's like you take out a loan of energy, and then you have interest you have to pay on. It.
1: You're really good at analogy. It's exactly <laughs> like that. You yeah. you are taking out a loan, and you always have to pay for it. And that's because when I when I got down to like once a day or once a month, I would do five to 10 milligrams instead of the prescribed dose, which is, I think at the time, 22 and a half, 25, something like that. So I would take, take a 10 and split it in two and then take the first five. And if I needed the rest to finish whatever I was working on, whether it was cleaning out, it was always something really mundane that I did not want to do that. I would take it for yeah. Yeah. It becomes pleasurable. But now living in the van, I really enjoy cleaning. It's just, I decide. It's so much about our own personal autonomy and our own choice and decision. You can make it fun. Like put on some awesome music, you know, yeah. or, just or just say just like, how tell- can I get the van clean?"
0: One thing I am I feel like I'm always trying to do this because now it's like, it's almost like as a child, I was given it. And like you were saying with words, you know, when I was seven, they said, you're deficient. And I mean, mm-hmm. attention de- deficient deficit. And that word is synonymous with not enough so as a kid they're like hey you're not enough so anytime as a kid that I stumbled or I felt challenged I was like well I'm according to all the adults I trust here I'm not good enough so I'll just stop Nah, what are you gonna do and it's like so then and then the whole medication thing and then like writing this book and all this it makes me feel like that's the one like little thing I have to to work on so I'm always finding little hacks and then at some point I'm like maybe I'll just leave all that behind and just live life you know because it seems that at least on TikTok and stuff, everyone's always saying, This is wrong. We need to fix it. This is wrong. But I mean, I'm getting, I'm trailing off. What I was gonna say is just like what you're saying with mundane work, just saying, This is it. This is enough. And it is amazing how your thoughts can change the way you actually work. And
1: yeah, if you don't have a bunch of thoughts, like thoughts create reality. Our thoughts, if we are thinking, I have a deficit or I have a disorder, I have this, and it's in the background of our mind, yakking away. It runs the show. The thoughts are running the show. So it takes awareness to understand, To you have to become aware that, yes, I have this playing in the background. It's been playing in the background for years. And I have a choice to say, like, I am no longer going to call. I've challenged my friends on this. Like, stop, stop saying I'm ADHD. Just stop saying it. If it's bothering you, then why are you keep affirming it? Because your language your word is your wand, I've heard it said. Your word is your wand and you're creating a reality with what you say and Yeah, casting spells. Yeah, and you're also like, what's the word? Your boat the boat of your brain is leaking energy if you you poke holes in it every time you you give yourself a reason to be slow. So you're saying, Oh well, I, I have I have anxiety disorder. I've been diagnosed with seven different illnesses and I don't identify with any of them and none of them are holding me back today. Imagine if the opposite had happened where I said, oh, well, because I have all these illnesses, I'm now a sick individual and I need other people to help me with everything. And my life would suck. My life would absolutely freaking suck. And that's a lot of times what happens when people get a diagnosis they're like yeah. oh well I had it. and doctors will tell you you have to readjust your expectations for your life it's not going to be as awesome as you thought and it's not going to be this and yeah you know you're gonna have to treat your like get treatment for the rest of your life and it's manageable but it's going to be tough and yeah it's I was, I was having a chat with ChatGPT chat GPT the other day. I was like talking to them about bipolar disorder. I was like, I've healed my bipolar <laughs> disorder and it was shocking. Like, and, and it ended up telling me that it's important for me to share my story because it gives people hope since a lot of people have not been able to heal it or whatever. Yeah.
0: in the robot mirror, you know?
1: And of course it says like, you know, make sure you're continuing to follow up with your doctor and, and all this stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have a doctor anymore. And if it would, it would be Dr. Kendra Campbell. <laughs> Who I'm now friends with because of TikTok and who's the only psychiatrist yeah. I have found who I've interviewed affirms, her as well. Yeah, me too, yeah. me too. It's like yeah. she's only she's been able to affirm everything that I've discovered about about how dangerous these medications are and having her and and she has so much more credibility in my opinion than most other psychiatrists oh, because yeah. she has been on the medications herself.
0: Yeah, exactly. She's been and on that's... them herself. That's why I think at least like I feel compelled to discuss this is because you hear perspectives from doctors and from doctors and from doctors. We're not someone who's actually been a patient. And that as well as uh, the woman who wrote the forward to my book, She was another, she, she's holisticpsychiatrist.com. She probably beat Kendrick to that URL, but she um, was a regular psychiatrist who took the medications and gave them out and gave herself Zoloft for three years. And then when yeah. she quit Zoloft, she said, what am I doing to people? And she uh, fought for her license to keep it so she could prescribe those tighter doses to people and she's on that page as well
1: wow that's amazing i just got chills yeah and it is crazy how that seems to be like the thing that happens to the doctors who are questioning the narrative and questioning the institution the indoctrination that they underwent, <clears ever throat> going going to medical school and being taught by the pharmaceutical companies how to prescribe drugs for the different that's what they learn they go yeah. to medical school but then their specialty is how to prescribe drugs for the symptoms that are in the dsm and, and it, through the dsm is fast
0: Oh yeah, and the drugs. I mean, I'm really entrenched in the history of Adderall, but that's like I could talk about it forever. But one thing it's it's almost like not until they see what they're doing do they have that reckoning. It's it's none of the doctors who like all the doctors who are saying hold on a second they've tried the supply and it's
1: no wonder my patients aren't getting better.
0: Yeah, but it's amazing though that they they keep giving this thing away and they use study after study to try to explain and this and that, and all the studies are cooked. It's just, it's very odd. And it's, it's really weird to the direction that ADHD is going where you're talking about, you know, people seeking diagnosis and it's actually, you know, I'll see posts where someone says, Oh, I just got diagnosed ADD or autism. And all the comments are congratulations. And, and yeah, it, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know what I feel about that because like you said, me personally, because I, I, you know, I, sure, I struggle with being distractible and impulsive, maybe. But I still, to myself, sometimes refer to it as supposed ADHD. I don't like calling myself disordered. I don't like calling myself deficit. But I, I do have the a personality type that falls under that category. And I find it strange to feel empowered by being diagnosed with something that's an illness.
1: Right, right. And that. What's weird too is that people well <laughs> I see Hugger. Here you have a dog. Yeah,
0: sorry about that. No, it's okay. I can Dr. tell. Dr. Eamon has one second. Okay. Helen, it's okay. Thank you for letting me know.
1: I like that chair. You have like oh,
0: a. I built it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: go on. It looks like you built it. <laughs>
0: beautiful. Yeah.
1: I could tell it was handmade just by looking at it. That's awesome. um What were you talking about? People the celebrating people, their people...
0: diagnosis
1: celebrating the diagnosis and what's wild to me though know, and and especially coming from somebody who has had psychosis is that there's a literal mass psychosis in terms of how many people have been indoctrinated to believe that psychiatry is real science for one and that they that there's nothing that they can do about it and they have, that, that that's kind of their only option is psychiatry and that's a mass psychosis in itself this belief that that they have a mental illness and that everybody is mentally ill and the people who don't think that they are, are the ones who have it the worst I think. yeah that you're crazy
0: to think you're not crazy it's pretty circular and sorry she keeps yeah. barking I'm in an attic and she can't get up here and I think that frustrates her but um, but it, it does and like even going back because psychiatry actually didn't really have much legitimacy until the amphetamine it was kind of kooky and they were doing things like lobotomies
1: yeah they were the original quackery
0: yeah and it wasn't really legitimized until they stumbled on the amphetamine which they wanted to use to cure asthma but then they were like i i don't know this doesn't really help asthma but we'll put it somewhere else
1: and you probably already know this but it still fascinates me to this day that the nazis were basically all on amphetamines the entire they were of the war they're on meth they were on actual meth <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah it's it's almost like those parallel discoveries you know because they were not sharing intelligence but while we invented the amphetamine they invented the methamphetamine and that's kind of like world war ii in some ways was methamphetamine versus amphetamine
1: wow yeah because the allied soldiers
0: and bombers they were taking you know adderall basically
1: oh really i didn't know that i thought it was just the nazis who were taking meth
0: no the nazis took meth but yeah yeah because they again they tried to use uh, that kind of, that logic that they were saying, cause they hadn't invented the pressurized cabin yet and the bombers were at such high altitude and they realized that amphetamine increased your blood pressure. So like maybe this is the altitude medication. And again, they gave it to the pilots and they were like, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, we'll take these, you know? And then, so they would it's do 72, like a- 72 hour missions. And then they started giving them to the soldiers too. And for a soldier too, it, it has this effect where it can almost dehumanize the enemy And allow them to be an objective a mission you're very task oriented on that medication wow it was really effective it was in their ration kits they had they called them go pills yeah
1: wow i mean and it makes sense to use it short term for things like that to be honest not that i'm pro-war or or pro-killing other people for any reason at all i think that's a, a whole racket in itself but yeah. I mean, there's just this, this this mass psychosis that, I mean, especially looking at the history of psychiatry and the horrific things that it has done, especially by way of lobotomies that, okay, now they've got it all figured out and that's how they act. They act with such authority. And that was the most disgusting thing to me being in the in the hospitals where the doctors would not listen to a damn thing I was saying. They're just looking at me and assessing based on the symptoms that they could, they could see based on a book that they've memorized and they don't see how dumb that is. They don't see how dumb that is. And then people that would try to, that I would try to talk to about They're like, well, you just have to listen to your doctor. We've been brainwashed into giving our personal power and personal authority and our sovereignty away to people in white coats, people who have been elected into office, you know, into this government, you know, we are prisoners in so many ways to what we believe. And I think that's why my mission now is to help people really look at what they believe about themselves. And do they really believe that because a doctor has said that they are sick and that they're going to be sick forever? Guess what's going to happen? If you believe you're going to be sick forever, you're going to be sick forever. But if you believe you're not, your brain is going to be open. Your your whole being is going to be open To the possibilities, like opening a window, right? You just say, "Nope, I'm going to be sick forever because that's what my doctor said, and I listened to my doctor. That's what the best thing to do is." Then you're shutting the window. You can't breathe. You're in a vacuum chamber for that reality that you have literally created for yourself, and it's just so sad. People's lives are literally being ruined because they've been given a diagnosis, and they also don't understand that when you go to a psychiatrist, you're not leaving without a diagnosis. (laughs) That's how they get paid.
0: Yeah, I I went to to a psychiatrist when I lost my prescription and like insurance, I couldn't get Adderall anymore. And I I hadn't chosen to quit. It was, but I had to stop because I couldn't get a prescription. I went to another psychiatrist and I was talking to her. I said, you know, I had issues with attention. I've been diagnosed twice with ADHD and I I think I'd like to get back on medication because I've been struggling getting things done and focusing and being irritable or whatever. And she, I walked out with an antidepressant prescription.
1: That's insane.
0: Yeah. And even I hurt my back a year ago, I hurt my back like doing labor. And I went to the doctor to to get an MRI. And the, I walked out with a prescription for gabapentin.
1: Wow. It,
0: and, and then I went online to read about it. I'm like, oh, absolutely not. But this is, it, it, it literally is intended to dull neurons. So you don't feel things. Mm-hmm. And just like after talking to me 15 minutes, because my back hurt, my mind was solid. They were ready to give me something that could psychologically dismantle my brain. You know, and people had permanent memory loss from this drug. Not saying everyone who takes it does, But the fact that they were willing to open the door for so much psychic pain for a slipped disc is so Mm -hmm. just rattling and confusing. And I don't understand. (laughs) There's so few doctors that I trust, but they're out there. The The ones who think like I called my childhood psychiatrist when I was writing my book to see if he wanted to talk and he didn't really want to talk. He didn't really want any of it. But I asked, I started asking him all these questions about the research I had done with like, do you really think that? amphetamines are a viable solution for a child who's experiencing distractibility, blah, blah. And he said, I don't even think about that stuff because I'm not a researcher. You'd have to talk to a researcher. And I was saying, you're not like interested in the, the essence of what you do, invested in it? He goes, no, there are researchers out there and they publish the literature and I follow their protocols.
1: He's a robot. Well, he is.
0: Yeah. Making six figures, you know, and, and so it's a very comfortable and stable life. And I think that's yeah. kind of how people really get roped into it.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think there's the misconception that doctors go into being doctors because they genuinely want to heal. <laughs> I think there are some like Kendra that mm. do go into it. I think they, they mostly
0: they start that way. I do think mm. a lot of people start that way and they might yeah. get jaded.
1: Yeah, you know, you're probably right about that. They, they have an assumption that they are going into it to heal, but then they realize that it's not at all uh <laughs> what they were told, especially when the they kind of start. I think there's a lot of doctors who are realizing, hey, this is actually more like indoctrination. And Kendra has mentioned that she was like mo- that most doctors when they come out of med school are traumatized and most of them get put on some kind of psychiatric drug. And so Who's questioning the psychiatrist? Who's questioning their stability? Are they going through mm. an exam every quarter? Are they going through like a, who's? A-
0: no, and and the only people who are questioning it are you and I. To them, who are mentally ill, have no credibility and are just yakking online. And you know they would think that it's that our questioning of their practice is a diagnosable problem so it's, it's
1: all symptoms of our disability or disorder and that's and actually is what happened to me and one of the times that i got baker baker acted was when i was telling the nurse or whoever was in the hospital was in the emergency room ward um i said i'm a published author in winter park which is a really wealthy area yeah. and i have a brand new house and they just said that I needed to be bankrupted for delusions of grandeur when all of it was true it's just oh because you were describing your life I was describing my life and they said and I did not look the part I suppose at that time because I hadn't slept and I wasn't I was smoking too much pot and I was recently traumatized by a breakup and yeah, it was it was all signs and that's what the, that's what they do. That's what they're trained to do is look for symptoms and they are not trained to listen. It's so it's so dangerous. And but I'm so grateful that I went through it. I'm so grateful that I got to experience it because without having experienced it, I couldn't have figured out what I figured out about it. That this is how it's working. This is the the machine that it has become and it's the industry behind it that they are these giant drug companies are wanting to have huge opportunities to make a lot of money by convincing people that they're sick. So enter the different organizations that are trying to stop the stigma and get people to feel better about the fact that they have a mental illness and that it's normal. And it might be very common, but that doesn't mean it's normal. That doesn't mean it's yeah. healthy. And there may be a stigma around it because people don't understand it. They yeah. Understand and there might it.
0: there might be something wrong that could be treated. But it's just there's more options than, you know, medical grade pharmaceutical psychotropics.
1: Yeah, and the disconnect that there is between brain health and this weird thing over in the corner that's mental health, right? Brain health and mental health are one and the same. If your brain is not functioning properly, and of course there's spiritual aspects of it too, but if your brain has something in it that's not supposed to be there, or if it's deficient in something... Then it's not going to function properly and you're going to end up with mental illness symptoms it is yeah. simply logic but not a lot of the... people
0: talk about the brain as an organ that's
1: right yeah and that psychiatrists never even look at it they never even look at the thing that they're mm-hmm. supposed to be treating i learned that from daniel amon that changed everything i had his book on my shelf, the mm-hmm. end of mental illness for two years books. Yeah. And I finally picked it up. And it was the, in the intro chapter where he said psychiatry is the only medical profession that never looks at the organ it treats. Almost never. And mm-hmm. I was like, you're fucking right. Like, you're <laughs> right that they're giving drugs. that They don't really understand the mechanism of action that they're, they're simply guessing and throwing a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous drug at it without even knowing what's going on in the brain. They don't know anything about the brain. They don't send you to a neurologist. A neurologist. I know. Or... Yeah, no, I, I
0: wanted to get those scans like you talked about, but I don't have the five thousand dollars to scrap for it. Very curious, yeah. you know. And it's a shame that that's that's a it's a luxury, and that Amen is is fringe kind of too in that regard.
1: Yeah, they think he's a quack. Like there's so much about out him out about there, out there yeah. about him, but. I think the ones who are in the know, know, like the people in the personal development space that interview him. It's the same thing with like Dr. Bruce Lipton and Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be somebody on the side of allopathic medicine, Western medicine that despite its existence and its advancements over the last 40, 50 years, there are more people than ever who are sick. How good is their system actually working or is it just the marketing that's convincing us that they've become more advanced and more adept at addressing illnesses? They've become very good at treating symptoms, but terrible at actually ameliorating the causes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What do do you do? You know, what kind of things do you do to maintain your, your brain health? your mental
1: health oh man so even in my van i have my nama j2 juicer which i started using after i read the medical medium uh book series i have all eight of his books most of them are in the van but that has become part of my whole protocol is juicing so even though i don't juice every day like i do when i'm at my house and i have more space and more especially my more space in my fridge and i go more places more often i juice i tend to cook Myself, I tend to eat mostly plant-based, except when I'm out, sometimes I'll have some meat. I never cook meat myself. I don't eat eggs. I don't eat dairy. I really work on lowering stress. So I have more of a routine now, which was always something I was like, oh, I don't want to have a routine. Like it's boring, but routines set you free. Good habits set you free because it becomes like automatic. Overwhelmed by choice. Yeah, you're not overwhelmed by choice. You're not deciding constantly what you need to do or what needs to be done. Like it just sort of happens because you are that person. Like I've really stepped into the identity of a healthy person. And I don't care so much about what other people think. There are certainly people, even my family members who probably view me with like a side eye, like, oh, you know, is this fact that she's living in a van now and she's like talking about all these like spiritual things and starting a new business and she is this, is it going to happen again? Is a sick person in denial or whatever, but I don't care. Like, let them think that, let them think what they want, because I've realized That any thought that I give to what other people think about me is wasted energy. And it's hard to create when you're in that space. So the more I've recognized how and become aware of how to become calm, both in how I fuel myself, so very little... Taco Bell, very little pizza hut, very little like the old stuff. Yeah. Hydration. I'm constantly hydrating with um not just plain water with nothing in it. Like I filter my water, but then I always squeeze lemon or lime back in to give it minerals that it no longer has from all the filtering because water is just gonna go right through you if there's no minerals that your body needs to actually do something with it and that's why Mm -hmm. like even when you have minerals added like dasani adds minerals to its water it just makes you more thirsty and it doesn't yeah well they add like sodium
0: benzinate too sometimes and things like
1: that yeah yeah so that's definitely one thing i do but um all of those things have contributed to make me a whole lot more calm. I did float therapy for a while. I did hyperbaric oxygen for a while. I did uh sauna, infrared sauna for a while. I bought all of those things. I had them in my house at one point. This was mm-hmm. like right after right after I read the end of mental illness. I was like, well I either you know, spend way more money going to these places and travel time, whatever, or I buy them and sell them later, which is exactly what I did. Although I still have my sauna, but I sold my float tank. And I sold my hyperbaric oxygen tank. Oh,
0: you had all that. Nice.
1: Yeah, I had it all in yeah. my house. I, I had the commercial grade stuff in my house and I realized that all those things have contributed to lowering the viral load, improving my immune system. And it was just a combination, a complete lifestyle change. And it's made me a lot more calm of a person, a lot more aware of a person to a point where when I do have some anxiety, I can check in with myself and be like, okay, where's this coming from? Like, what what are you thinking? Like, You're falling back into that pattern of I got to work from nine to five every day, or I'm not going to win the day, or I'm not going to move my projects forward, or I got to hustle and grind. And I don't feel that way anymore, but it's, it can still happen where you fall back into old patterns if you're not being conscious and aware of what you're doing. And I've definitely found that um, coming at it from a place of calmness and clarity is a much better way to create than from chaos. And that's where the habits can come in. And that's where the rituals can come in. And and also as a female, especially, and women, women listening to this, are maybe already in the know of, We're basically four different people every month with the way our hormones fluctuate. And our society has tried to condition us into becoming one person. And that's where, you know, getting on birth control messes all that up and Mm -hmm. it messes up the flow of our bodies and learning how to flow with the energy that is different every month and learning how to create when I'm the most creative, when my creative energy is more uh, high. And then learning when to rest and recharge when it's lower and I want to rest, recharge, really learning to flow with how I feel instead of resist or change how I feel with a substance or, yeah, really a substance. That's what happens is people try to change how they feel with a birth control pill or with drugs or something instead of learning, hey, these are natural ebbs and flows of energy as a woman.
0: Yeah, like I'm tired, I want to sleep.
1: Yeah, so sleep, like actually listen yeah. to your body, sleep. Or if you find yourself tired for no reason, why am I tired? Oh, I haven't had any water today. Or, oh my gosh, I'm hungry. Or I am thinking about too many things. Maybe I need to sit down and write them out and journal or call a friend or whatever like really being more in tune with who I am, what I need has made everything so much easier and more enjoyable. And I realized in the past, I haven't allowed it to be fun. I haven't allowed my work to be fun because I've been telling myself stories that, oh, it's so hard or, you know, it's hard when you're starting a new business, like starting a new business is hard and it's going to be, it's going to be frustrating, you know? So you start to expect those things. Mm. It's like the, the thoughts become reality all over again. It happens, it happens both ways, though. So if you tell yourself, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited about what I get to work on today or what I'm creating, or I'm just going to open up. I like to script out some of my podcast episodes, so just open up a document and just start writing and see what flows and tell myself that it's, it's going to be easy. And if I tell myself and let myself believe that it's going to be easy, then most of the time it is. I end up finding it be really enjoyable.
0: Yeah, you're priming your mindset, at least for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then boom, surprise, surprise, your reality flows out from that. And and it could go either direction. And and again, imagine my life if I had latched onto that belief that people had. Oh, you're bipolar. You're bipolar. You know, I'd be on drugs right now. I would not be living my best life out in the van. I who knows? I wouldn't have never met you. I would probably be depressed. <laughs>
0: but is there is there anything else you want me to include? you want to say
1: we covered so much it's been really yeah fun.
0: yeah i could i could talk and talk and talk but i'm glad that there's that i don't feel crazy to know that there's other people out there who feel drawn to talk about helping people not want to take pharmaceuticals all the time
1: yeah yeah and the way i've shifted my my brand like i had the podcast misdiagnosed for a long time a year and a half i did 33 episodes but i recently shifted it and shifted it to self-transformation radio because I am kind of shifting my method to getting this message out to people because I realize that marketing or trying to reach people with mental illness is hard because they have mental illness and their brains aren't working properly. And so I'm wanting to try to meet a need that, like sell them what they want and then give them what they need on the back end. So I want to maybe market to people who are in these different communities, but market them something that will solve a different problem. And then use my stories more, use my own stories more instead of saying like, this is the way things are. Like, this is what's wrong with the industry. This is what needs to be fixed and blah, blah. Like there's certainly something to be said about that, but I think I was shying away from sharing my own stories and I want to share more. I want to share more about what it was like when I was in the mental hospital and what my life have been like or was like and what it's like now and it's going to take some time for that to organically unfold but that's kind of where i'm going is into that space of self self transformation it's 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 part of the personal development space but i'm in a way creating a bit of a blue ocean because there's so many people that are not quite ready for personal the personal development space for what it is like the whole thoughts become reality is just like completely off the wall to people like me nine years ago like before I started. Yeah, some people business. take
0: that and they run with it in a, in a dangerous way.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I want to, I want to translate some of the stuff that I have learned in the personal development space and in the spirituality world to more practical terms that are more applicable to the people who are still kind of living in a tiny box and people like me who would hear something like thoughts create reality. I'm like, reality is just reality. You can't like, no, I, there's nothing I can think <laughs> that's going to make the reality any different than what it is. Like, but that's how I used to think. And so I am speaking to that skeptical cynical doubtful but overall pretty positive and supposedly open-minded you know hippie liberal type person you know like the (laughs) woke version of me you know like
0: yeah and I I try to figure that out too how to market or it marketing is very difficult for me I don't know because I feel like I'm commodifying my raw energy and my heart and like for example my book is it's very it's very true sincere and authentic and I have a hard time um I'm working on it. I'm consciously know I have a hard time, but I'm getting better at uh, recognizing it as an artifact of creation that is worthwhile of enjoying. But it's very, it's a new challenge for me to sell it. I'm late. I gotta go. I'll
1: talk to yeah. you later. Have a good right. afternoon.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing with me.
1: You're welcome. Be in touch.
0: If you're here, that means you watched the entire interview. Thank you so much for sharing your time. I hope it was beneficial for you and if you are want to hear more please subscribe to my channel like comment subscribe check out caitlin's channel all the links to her socials are below and uh, yeah you can check my book out comment tell me where i'm wrong tell me what you think share some stories let's have a dialogue thank you